It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out to Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. You think we've gotten too radical with our message? Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. Glory, glory! Woo! <laughs> Put them together for Wednesday. I don't know if it has where you are located right now, but the fog has rolled in here into West Austin. Uh, on the banks of 360 here, looking over downtown. We no longer can see downtown. Almost like a low fog, low cloud shelf more than even fog. But, uh, you know, low, low-hanging clouds rolling in here in the... In, the beginning of the hill country out here in West Austin. Uh, be safe out there. Get you rolling on this Wednesday morning. Mike Craven hanging out. Appreciate him doing it. My co-host on the Eyes on Texas multicast that we've started. Um, as we said earlier, we did seven episodes through the spring, and they're all available on the Horns YouTube page, also at Dave Campbell's Texas Football's YouTube page, really in-depth <coughs> behind the scenes talking Longhorn football and covering the spring and then beyond. We're going to take May off with that multicast, Mike, and then we'll be back after Memorial Day, just like the Longhorns, hit the ground running, looking forward for a really exciting season. And you guys are growing that whole digital brand there at uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Yeah, the goal was to uh, get a podcast in each dedicated FBS market, so that's 13 across the state. Right now we're at 10. Uh, the only ones we don't have are SMU, UTEP, and Sam Houston. Okay, uh, Working on Sam Houston behind the scenes, so hopefully getting that one well, locked up by the end of this month. So we're down to SMU and UTEP. SMU is a tough one. Yeah, um, it's you know you'd think in the the city of Dallas you could find some, uh, but just not a ton there. Maybe that changes as SMU uh, gets better and better. They could be one of those teams that competes for a conference title this year for sure. Yeah, I think uh, well, it's interesting because of the you know the, the vulture college football you know the the way the the landscape has changed with with conference realignment. You know Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC next year. We created the dominoes that mm-hmm. the Big Twelve reacted by adding four of the top schools out of you know the American Athletic Conference, with you know obviously BYU independent, but Cincinnati had been in the Final Four and they've been good. Houston, Central Florida, so obviously the American Athletic Conference responds by raiding Conference USA, yep. <laughs> and that's benefited some schools in Texas. And now you've got a school like Sam Houston State and SMU and UTSA jumping into Conference USA. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of a cycle here. Yeah, UTEP, Sam Houston uh, being Conference USA. It, it's going to be fascinating to see what Sam can do. You know, they're, they're in that transition period. You know, they've had such – think about their last few years, right? Like 2020 in the fall was canceled for the FCS. They played a spring 2021 season and won that whole thing, won the national championship. Then went in and, and played until the quarterfinals in the fall. So they played 22 games in the 2021 calendar year. 
uh, turned around in 2022 and weren't eligible to win the WAC or play in the FCS, so they redshirted a bunch of their old guys to save them one more year uh, for this year to go into the transition. And it's not official yet, uh, but they think they're going to get a waiver from from the uh, NCAA that allows them to be in a bowl game if they get to six wins, if not enough six-win teams qualify. Like last year, Rice got into a bowl game as a 5-7 and seven APR qualifier. Uh, if they get the waiver they think they're, they're going to get, Sam Houston will be eligible for a bowl game if if it is if it yeah. does come down to the five win teams, Bearcats come the thirteenth team at uh, in Texas to be in the, at the top level of college football, which is exciting. It's part of the growth of Dave Campbell's Texas football. Hey, uh, we'll get to our headlines. How about the Lakers last night? Anthony Davis was unbelievable. Uh, they get the quick jump on the Warriors tie. But how about this? You know, we had hot or not. A couple things are we are we hot or not on snap judgments? Should Mel Kuyper Jr. be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame eventually? That was a question that's been raised now coming off the draft. I say heck yeah. I mean, for his impact on the draft, its growth from a little thing in a in a conference room back in the '80s to this, I saw where 312 or 320,000 fans came out in Kansas City over the course of the three days to take in the draft. I mean, that's unbelievable. The draft has become a huge thing. But should Mel Kiper Jr. be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the uh, you know the wing for you know his ilk? I try not to be one of those gatekeeper people who like tries to like have these high standards for some institution that I will never be involved with, you know. <laughs> uh, but sure, I mean, he. If you look around at people who have been contributors, and there is a contributor section, uh, uh, in, in the in the Hall of Fame. So if you look at contributors over the game over the last twenty or thirty years, like what's been a bigger change other than like how the draft is? You know, he's one of the guys that's allowed this to be a twelve month cycle, and so yeah, I'm sure he he probably deserves to be there as much. Any other media person? Ty, any problem with Mel Kiper Jr., draft expert with the contributors wing of the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No. I mean, I I think the standard should be high. I think it's higher in the NFL than it is in like the MLB. Um, oh, or not not the MLB, the NBA, sorry. The yeah, MLB yeah. standard is the highest of them all. Well, remember, I the think. NBA is not – it's the Pro Basketball yeah. Hall of Fame. So it's – yeah, the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is mostly the NFL, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's uh, basketball's got a little wider, you know, net that they yeah. cast over basketball, but and the MLB is the hardest one to crack. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But well, um, baseball writers are a breed of their own, a cranky group, cranky, <laughs> a cranky of their group. Own. That was my first job out of college was covering baseball for who? Uh, Round Rock Express and stuff like that was was working from there. Uh, baseball prospectus, running some some cranky, um, yeah, baseball right. Well, and you see your future. It's like a ghost of future presence or whatever you know, like from that Christmas Carol. Yeah, I don't want to be that. And guy. you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. You're on divorce number four. You seem very unhappy. You're in hotel rooms all the time because like football, you just travel in for a day and then you come back. Baseball, you're on the road for who knows, you know. You got like oh. a twenty game road trip, and you're just everywhere. So no, thank you. Yeah, even in the major leagues, you're you're gone for long stretches for sure. Uh, Mike Craven hanging with us. I also have this because this is the day and age where you can say pretty much anything you want and be who you want and all that stuff, right? And you know, lies or truth. Nicholas Cage. You know Nick Cage, the actor, fifty mm-hmm. nine year old. Yep. In a National recent Charter. interview with Vanity Fair, says that he can recall. Memories from the wound. <laughs> yeah. He can remember, he says, faces in the dark while he was still in mom's wound. He, no, actually, he said this on Stephen Colbert's show last night. Sure he wasn't hanging out with Aaron Rodgers <laughs> in the darkness retreat? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was about to Come say. Come on, like, man. Microdosing is in <laughs> yeah. these days, and here's another example. Come of on, it. Nick. Listen, I know, he says, I know this sounds really far out. <laughs> and I don't know if really far out. I really don't know if it's real or not. But sometimes I think I can go all the way back in utero and feeling like I could see faces in the dark or something. 
Yeah, I don't. All right, Nick. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, that's something. I'm calling not hot on that. (laughs) Uh, Can you remember? That was one of those real things to sit and ponder. Your your earliest memory is that even? I don't even think that's like scientifically possible for for no, it's not. I do. I do remember my first sports memory, um, and that's Miami Texas Cotton Bowl. 1990, 1989, 1990. That was not good for Texas. I was five years old. Uh, I remember my dad and my grandfather, who worked for the University of Texas football team at that time, being extremely angry and my five-year-old brain going, I don't know, that's pretty cool, you know, to like beat the crap out of somebody and then let them know as you're doing it. I kind of liked the attitude of it, and that that probably stemmed the rest of my personality from there. Tiger winning that 2001 Masters was my first. Oh, my God. That's a good memory. That's a good one. Sports memory. You're so young, Ty. Yeah, you are. I was was four years old. Jeez, man. Uh, I was on the mean streets of Akron, Ohio, and I think it probably had to do with something with with Cleveland Indians first baseman uh, Andre Thornton. Mm. Yeah. Got his autograph or something. There you go. I was on the mean streets, man. Akron, yeah. Akron, Ohio. But uh, zero to eight. Go so zips. my first sports memories were there. Or my father yelling about the Ohio State-Michigan game or something. Uh, something in line with that. I mean, the most impactful sports memory was definitely the Texas National Championship. <laughs> I, have, you, so you were I, have, the, I have that date and Vince Young's initials tattooed so on me. You, you were at the Cotton Bowl for the shellacking. Oh yeah, and that was not good for the home yeah. side. That's well, and why then, you were and, there. And all week, and all week, you know that Miami had been trashing hotel rooms and like, all, you know. And I just remember hearing all the stories and like, you know, being like, I don't know, this seems kind of nice. This seems kind of cool, you know. And you know, now we look back at the U and reverence and, and and all that stuff has a different perception of it now than it did then. I feel like I was ahead of the curve in loving those guys. And maybe that's why I'm a I'm a cynical person by nature. Growing up in that era with in, in Northeast Ohio. The Cleveland Browns, the mistake by the lake, Brian Sipe, it was bad. Everything yeah, was bad. The Indians were bad. Cleveland was bad. Then I moved to Houston when I was eight years old, and everybody blew it. I mean, I got there in 1980. Love you, Blue couldn't kick the door in just recently, and then the Astros lost to the to the Phillies in the 1980 LCS. Vice Slam at Jamal was a letdown over and over again. Were you an Oilers fan? Oh, yeah, huge. What did you do when they left? Oh man, let's not get me started on that because I, gotta... I don't have an NFL team for the same reason. I went to elementary school in Houston. I was like nine years old yeah, when, had... when the when the Oilers left, and I've never picked up another NFL team. I'm just a, a, a gambler because well, like I, I couldn't some... I couldn't figure it out. I became a gambler. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say through the stretch of the '90s when they moved, I, I I'll tell you, but I, I picked up fantasy football on that because I was in college yeah. when the Texans moved and uh, or the Oilers moved. It was crushing. Like I got into a big Twitter beef over the weekend during the draft because I complained that the and I was pretty mad about this. I can save it for Buck Off Thursday tomorrow. But the owner of the Tennessee Titans is Bud Adams' daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, her last name is Strunk, Amy Strunk, or well, she's the owner. Uh, she's Bud's dad, Bud's son, daughter. And don't let me get me started on Bud Adams. Uh, but so there she is in the Tennessee draft room over the weekend, wearing the Oilers hat. They're going to wear an Oilers uniform. I know it's awful. And as a fan, and I try not to get emotional about most things. I try to be pragmatic and practical about sure. most sports topics. But the Oilers is one that pushes my buttons. Bud Adams pushes my buttons. You're the Tennessee Titans. Wear the Tennessee Titans logo. Get the oil, Derek, off your head. I know you own it. But that's because your greedy-ass owner wouldn't leave it for the city when you ripped the team to Nashville. I mean, that's the thing people forget and forget history. Bud Adams, Houston did everything they could do. I mean, he had just had the city renovate the Astrodome, took down that iconic scoreboard so he could have more seats. I mean, Houston and the city was doing everything they could. He got at odds with the, the, the city and the mayor, and he took that team to Nashville for pure greed, which, okay, fine, be greedy. Leave the, leave the name. 
Yeah. Leave Oilers. Leave the logo. He wouldn't even do that. Uh, which, of course, the Browns left the Browns. I mean, the Ravens left the Browns in Cleveland for them, which was the right thing to do. Bud Adams wouldn't do it. So, yeah, it bothers me. It sticks in my craw every time I see. I mean, she's the owner of the team in the draft war room wearing the oil, the, the Oilers logo. Yeah, kills me as well. Crush. It's, yeah, it's petty, but it bothers me. It's why I don't have many rooting interests in sport. Like, it was a very early lesson of, like, oh, this isn't real. Well, for right? me, like, it was a gut is, punch because I, I, I was a huge Oiler fan. Uh, and so, you know, what I did when they moved to Tennessee, I actually rooted for them for a little while just because they had Steve McNair and they had Eddie George. Mm-hmm. And, then they got Vince. Uh, then they, yeah, I, I'd like, but then as soon as the Texans came back online, I had to throw my hat in the ring with the Texans, which, you know, whether that's a good choice or not, <laughs> it's been a rough 21 years. I will say that. And uh, hopefully times are a changing, but I jumped back onto Houston uh, just as a, as a loyal I'm fan. I'm a nomad. I uh, know. Well, I know a lot of people are. But dang it, don't get me started I feel on like most Adams. people that live in Austin don't have an NFL team. Like most of my Cowboys. friends growing up, like, I, yeah, of course, I had a few Cowboys well, friends. Well, a lot of times there. it'll be, and one of the reasons the Oilers are so popular here is that a lot of times it'll be that, uh, you know, a college town, a player gets, when Earl Campbell became an Oiler. And that solidified a lot of people in this area to become an Oiler fan, without yeah. a doubt. And Bud Adams, and excuse me, uh, and Bum Phillips, and no doubt. I was more made fun of, like as a Cowboys fan, like people would poke Here? fun at me. Yes, well, that's because always... you're from a generation where they've only stunk. Yeah, I mean, this is a, in my mind, Austin's a huge Cowboys town. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah, that's probably generational though. And you know, we got to get to the headlines and talk some basketball. But I know when uh, when I was in college, right before the Oilers left. I mean, they were contending for the Super Bowl, right? Those were the 92, 93 yeah. years with, with Warren Moon. And I went, to, I was at St. Ed's, and the, te- the Cowboys were actually training. They're doing their training camp at St. Ed's. So, mm-hmm. And all my buddies were Cowboys fans, huge Cowboys fans. We all worked the camp. Uh, so around the Cowboys, I'm the lone Oiler fan. And there was the year 93 when the, Tex- when the Oilers lost to Joe Montana and the Chiefs that they would have played in the Super Bowl. It would have been unbelievable. I could see this thing coming. They got Buddy Ryan, you know, Warren Moon, and they run and shoot. They're going to play the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Probably get smashed, but I can't wait to see it because I can, you know, go head to head with my buddies. They used to do those preseason scrimmages and stuff over at Burger Burger Center. You know, and those were great. The you Raiders used to go watch the Cowboys and Oilers and stuff like that, and just play. And it was, well, the it was tech, fun. the Oilers a couple times trained down in uh, they trained at Trinity University, mm-hmm. I think, in their last year in San Antonio. They also trained in San Marcos. Yep, um, at, at Texas State. You know what? You're out there where you go rent the tubes and jump in the river. That's right where the Oilers trained a couple of years, a couple of uh, training camps in San Marcos. So, yeah, I mean, there was – and then they – Bud Adams, don't get me started on yeah. that. I'd start cussing and get our lose our license. Let's get to the headlines. <laughs> Trending topics, uh, not to start your hour, already 20 minutes into it, but uh, good stuff in the NBA last night. Top Gun, Equipment Rentals bringing you the news. How about the L.A. Lakers? They get the early jump on Golden State in that much-anticipated series. And of course, it matches up to the two greatest players in this generation, but it was uh, with LeBron and Steph, but it was Anthony Davis that came to play last night, and the, defense, and the uh, Lakers get the win, 117-119. Davis scored 30 points, pulled down 23 rebounds, dished out five assists, blocked four shots for good measure. LeBron chipped in with 22 points and 11 boards. Steph, meanwhile, uh, Curry had 27, but shot just 10 for 24 on the night. Great defense. Defense from uh, the Lakers. Dennis Schroeder did a great job last night. D'Angelo Russell. Uh, early game last night, the Knicks bounced back from their game one loss to Miami. They take game two at MSG 111-105. How about the former Mav Jalen Brunson, 30 to lead the way. Julius Randle had 25. He played without their star Jimmy Butler, who was out with that sprained ankle. They'll head to South Beach now 1-1. 
Also last night, Philadelphia center Joel Embiid named the NBA's most valuable player after being the runner-up each of the last two years. He picks up that prestigious trophy for the first time. 29-year-old averaged 33 points per game this season, nearly 55% shooting from the floor. Also grabbed over 10 boards, 4.2 assists, and nearly two blocks per game. Unfortunately, he's not going to play tonight. Doesn't look like when the uh, 76ers play the Celtics in Game 2 of that Eastern Conference semifinal series. Uh, that is the lone game on the schedule tonight. NHL, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Tough loss for the Dallas Stars. Game 1 of their best of 7 semifinal was Seattle. Despite a 4-goal night for their center Joe Pavelski, the upstart Seattle Kraken won the game 5-4 to four in overtime. Major League Baseball Rangers rallied from 4-1 down to beat the Diamondbacks 6-4. to four. They've won 4 straight. Houston got blanked by the San Francisco Giants 2-0. Round Rock was rained out uh, in Reno. As for the NFL, former Longhorn Puna Ford inks a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills yesterday. And in Atlanta, the Falcons revealed that lifetime Longhorn Bijan Robinson, who they selected with the eighth pick in last week's draft, will wear number seven this year, not the number five that he sported for three years in, uh, in Austin. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Come see one of the many reasons your mama loves us this month by getting select Toro and Hustler zero-turn mowers for up to 26% off. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, so, uh, yeah, Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, wears number five with the Atlanta Falcons, if you haven't been paying attention there. So when Bijan was drafted, he probably wanted five, but Drake London, also a top-ten pick, also one of those young weapons for the Falcons, he will hold on to it. It says, E, great Andre Thornton reference. Thornton was such a great player. Good man. Yeah, I don't – my mom will tell you the story, Mike. When I was in, in the mean streets of Akron, my favorite Cleveland Indian player was was Andre Thornton, big first baseman. And somehow they took me – he was he came to a, do an autograph session near our house, and we went. And it, 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 it surprised me that he was a black guy. I didn't know. Because I, I used to just listen to the games on the radio and with my dad, and I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Didn't matter. Didn't care. It's awesome. I had his autograph. That was Gus Johnson for me. Well, <laughs> Gus Johnson. Oh my gosh. Well, and then because I, I, I think I part of the thing was I wanted to go as Andre Andre Thornton is for Halloween, right? Which right. was fine. Sure. Yeah, Give well, me the jersey. Could have been some yeah. issues there. Well, as long as you just do the jersey, you just don't have to. Yeah, like, I'm not going to, that far. Yeah. But I loved my loved me from Andre from Andre Thornton, and the Indians were terrible then. I mean, the Indians were always terrible, but baseball was my my thing, and. I remember going to my first game at the old Mistake by the Lake, the stadium. That thing was massive. That's where we used to go to games, and there would be nobody there in this 100,000-seat arena. And so you could just walk down and pick up fly balls that would they'd hit foul balls down the line. It would just hit the seats, rick it around. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. You just walk down, pick up a foul ball. There was no one fighting for it. Those were the good old days. Man. Astrodome wasn't too far behind that. You, you get $3 tickets, your parents yes. just drop you off, and they yeah. come pick you up in a couple hours. I always say my love for doing this job came going to Astros games and then listening to the post-game show afterwards. I was I was the weird teenage kid and middle age, middle school kid listening to post-game call-in shows because I, I, I just found them fascinating. Multiple, so, multiple people have said that that was Bucky for me. What? On, on the thinking he was not realizing he was a black guy. He was black? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! This says E. You're headed to sensitivity training. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I was like four yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, you're good. You're like fine. Four you can, years you old. Can, you just wear the jersey and stuff. It's, it's all my good. dude. Yeah, Andre Thornton. But yeah, I mean, look, the Oilers is a sore spot. Don't get me going on that. I mean, that's. Uh, I don't like Bud Adams. Okay, no, I don't think I, many people do. It's it's why I uh, I, I like. I, I hope I, I hope he when he passed he passed without any friends. <laughs> I have His family problem. had to like him, I guess. 
have a problem with like int- intimacy and connection and that kind. Of, you know, I think it's because of the Oilers. You know, <laughs> like I, you know, like at a very young age, it was like, oh, you can't love anything because they just take it from you. You know, that yeah, that was because well, I was like eight or nine years old, and you know, you you kind of gravitate toward your toward your sports teams, right? So I sure. had the Texas Longhorns, I had the I had the Oilers. You know, and uh, when the Oilers were gone, it was like, oh man, I can't. You can't be too big of a fan of this thing because they don't care about you. Yeah, it was just, and then I remember when Bud Adams, again, I was in college, and I actually was getting into radio, and I I covered the final Oilers training camp, which was at Trinity, and Jeff Fisher had become the coach, who all Texas fans love, Jeff Fisher, Um, but I was, you know, young intern trying to cover it, and... uh, just it was just such. Bud Adams announced the move, took the money, moved into Memphis for a while, played in Vanderbilt Stadium for a year. It's just a joke, yep. and uh, and all he had to do to keep a lot of Oilers fans from not hating the man is just leave the ord, Derek, yep. and leave the name. You yep. weren't going to use it. Like if you wanted to make it the Tennessee Oilers and keep everything the same, I guess I get that, but you weren't. You were changing, you're rebranding. So leave it with because the NFL was going to put a team back in Houston. It was going to happen. Houston is such a hotbed for football. Well, how, the, how does that work with like this, this the records and stuff with all those records? They stay? all belong to the Oilers, but and to Bud Adams. I know, but I'm saying if they would have left the logo and the name, like would the Tennessee Titans have been a well, expansion. You could, well, ask the Baltimore Ravens. How yeah, it would have been it. like the Ravens. They would have started from scratch. They wouldn't have needed an expansion yeah. draft and that stuff. But they would have started from scratch, which I think is also a, a better option for their fans as well, right? Well, like they, they go, weren't watching the Oilers. Well, in the so 60s the same thing and, with like the Charlotte Hornets and the Pelicans. Is sure. yeah. Is, well, and did, and the uh, you know work? the Baltimore Colts had lost their team to Indianapolis, so they understood it. They're like, we get it. Uh, so we're not going to steal your name and your brand and the Brown. I mean, the Browns were Paul Brown. I mean, you couldn't yeah. take the Browns to, I mean, the the founders of football. It was petty. Yeah, and so, it was so, petty. And Bud Adams knew better. Bud Adams absolutely knew better. He did it just to stick a middle finger to the city. And the fans were good to him. The fans yeah. were good to his team. Again, I always go back to when they, the, the, the city, I mean, fans were not happy when they, remember the store scoreboard at the Astros games that would go mm-hmm. light up with the home runs? They tore that down for Bud Adams so they could build another 10,000 seats uh, for, for, for seating. But, of course, he ended up wanting the new stadium. And the city was like, no, we just did all this in the Astrodome. Uh, we just spent all kinds of money. And then, of course, here comes Nashville, drops a bucket of money on him and yeah. says, here, and, and that's just, I understand franchises moving like like Oakland, right? The Raiders and the, and the A's. They've tried for years and years to get a new stadium. They're playing in a decrepit old place. They don't draw very well. They can't compete. That was not the Houston Oilers. Nope. It was not, not the Houston Oilers. And that should be remembered. Uh, and people call me Bitterman. Well, whatever. That's just... <laughs> okay, then leave the oil, Derek. Leave the name. Yeah. No, 100%. Can you imagine how much more popular a team the Houston Texans would be if they could have come back as the Houston Oilers? I mean, I, I, I'm uniforms. one of those fans that didn't come back. You know, because it was like that's not the team I grew up rooting for. I, I don't. I don't live in Houston anymore. I had no reason to go back. Had they been the Oilers, I absolutely would have been gone back as a, as a fan to the to the Houston Oilers. Uh, and they would have been. A, they'd be a much more popular team yeah. right now. I mean, they've yeah. done well fan buys. Like the the Texans built a fan base. To, you know, uh, Bob McNair built a great stadium, and they've hosted super two, two Super Bowls in that building. Uh, and they had a waiting list for tickets. I mean, they that you couldn't get a season ticket to the Texans for a long time. So it's not like they've been struggling. They've been valued as one of the top ten franchises, you know, in, in North America at times. But obviously, the post Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson years mm-hmm. have been lean. And they've lost a lot of that season ticket base. But, you know, if they come back to the Oilers, it would have been a no-brainer for all Oilers fans to jump right back on. And that's why it's galling to see the owners, you know, the owner in the in the uh, war room wearing the oil, Derek. It's just like, that's just, you're sticking, you're, you're what are you, you're, 
Stop doing that. Yeah. And I know this year when they play Houston in Tennessee, they're wearing the old school throwback yeah. uniforms. And that's don't even get me started on yeah. that. It's, it just seems bad, right? It just seems like <laughs> purposefully mean. You yeah. Know? Uh, but they they're going to say hats. we're honoring our tradition and our our history. But right. yeah, come on. All right. Good stuff there. We'll come back. We'll get into this Lakers series. You got another segment in you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mike's going to hang with us. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up this Lakers. I want to talk about it because Ty still thinks the war. Ty Henderson believes the Lakers won their – We'll win one more game in this series after last night. Craven and I, not so sure. We'll also get gossip in the Blitz for the end of the hour. It's B&E on the horn. B&E. <laughs> Our man Chris Bennett on Twitter has posted a picture of Bud Adams and said E. Hogan gets really fired up talking about this guy. I do. I'm not a Bud Adams fan. Can I say one other thing until we talk about the Lakers and the Warriors? The Bud Adams hatred also has a Texas Longhorn tentacle to it that you need to be reminded of. I think most Texas fans know it. But, you know, Vince Young being drafted by the Tennessee Titans was all Bud Adams. That was all Bud Adams, uh, if you believe the uh, the reporting. Uh, in that draft of 2006, uh, the Texans had the first pick, and they, you know, selected Mario Williams, shocked everybody because the narrative coming in was it was either Vince or Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. and he and they end up taking Mario Williams in typical Texans fashion. You, know, you still debate would you know how would Vince's career have been if he played at home and played right down the street from where he grew up and went to Madison High School. They didn't t- take Vince Young. They took Mario Williams. Uh, but then uh, two picks later, the Tennessee Titans with Bud Adams took Vince Young. And by all accounts, they took Vince Young because of Bud Adams, not because of Jeff Fisher and Norm Chow. Remember, Norm Chow and Jeff Fisher were the brain trust on the offense or in in Tennessee at the time, and they wanted Matt Liner, uh, the quarterback from USC. Who, of course, Jeff Fisher has USC ties. Uh, Norm Chow has USC ties. He was running the offense. Which, if there was you know, friction between Jeff Fisher and Vince Young, that started. That from the beginning, he was told that they were drafting him by the owner. And then we know once he drafted him, the owner took Vince to Houston on a road trip, the first thing, not to Tennessee. So, I mean, that was a stick it to the city as well, uh, that you didn't draft him, so we will, despite the fact that my coach didn't want him. And it impacted Vince's career because he, he ended up being drafted into an organization that the people calling the shots really didn't want him. Uh, they wanted another quarterback, and I think it always led to problems because not only whether it was not personal with Vince, you know, Norm Chow was going to run a different type of offense than it needed to to build around Vince Young, which made it a square peg in a round hole. They were going Matt Leinart. The owner objected. So just another reason to hate Bud Adams. Yeah, Vince Young got to the NFL probably five, ten years too early. You know, if, if he was coming <laughs> yes. in now, right? Like, I think think we've adjusted what that quarterback position is. He he would fit in well, and it wouldn't be such an outlier. Uh, but Jeff Fisher ruined a few careers, and, sure. and it was that was one of the things that that made me realize, oh, this bus thing that we talk about is dumb because there's so much context and variables that go into it. Like, how many guys do we view as bust? Just got drafted by a bad coach and a bad franchise, and that's why they were bust, right? Yeah, like, Vince Young was still rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah he had a winning record. Yeah. Well, we you know that we've had the story of Vince Young's career. I think Vince was on a great trajectory, and then because you know Jeff Fisher understood it, and they built an offense around him. He won Rookie of the Year. They won a lot of games. I was at the game in Houston at NRG Stadium when Vince ran up the middle in overtime to beat him. I was at that game. It was unbelievable. Uh, Vince's first matchup with Houston, uh, down in Houston. That was was a great finish and a great game. But, you know, we always talk about this with, with Vince. If you parallel where Vince Young's professional career derailed, it was right after Steve McNair was killed. Right, Steve McNair was the quarterback in Tennessee, and he was kind of a godfather figure for Vince. And 
when he was gone, you wonder if that 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 led to some some issues. And obviously, the the grief of that for Vince Young. But yeah, when when Vince got to Tennessee, the one person he had on his side was Steve McNair, who had taken the Titans all the way to the Super Bowl and a yard away from winning a Super Bowl, and he was a legend for the organization. So he kind of took Vince in and, and helped him. And without him, you know, obviously the the relationship with Vince with uh, Jeff Fisher was, you know fractured at best and uh, just got worse and worse after that point. So yeah, those stories can go on and on, but just another reason to hate Bud Adams cuz I who knows where Vince go, if Vince gets drafted by someone who really wanted him yep. and would have built the offense and would covet, I just think it would have been a better career. And should Houston have taken him at number 1, you can still debate that. Um, you know, sure, probably Houston always screws up the quarterback, which is why We'll, good luck to C.J. Stroud. I hope it works for him. And I think they did the right thing last Thursday night. Uh, but that has not been their history. But uh, we've been through that over and over again, all the quarterback mistakes the organization has made in 21 years. Hey, um, Ty, so you think last night's Lakers win, Anthony Davis, clearly the best player on the floor last night, Lakers win over Golden State was one of two that they're going to have in this series. Yeah, I think they get one back at home. Uh, we'll probably have a 2-2 series. And then Golden State will, will come out victorious, four to two. Like, cause you know, some people had the Warriors left for dead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And against Sacramento, Mike, that uh, you know when they you know got behind early, they come back. Then they coughed up Game Six at home and had to go back to Sacramento for Game Seven. But we saw Steph Curry go fifty, and you know obviously the Warriors are by no means out of this series based on last night. Do you, yeah, think, I mean, do you think the Warrior or do you think Anthony Davis and LeBron James are two of the top three players in the series? Do you think yeah. any, anybody on on Golden State can compare to what Anthony Davis can give you? No, they're just not big enough, right? I mean, you get past Looney, they just don't have any size, right? Like, yeah. you know, and so it comes down to if Anthony Davis wants to and feels physically up to being a dominant player. And again, he didn't have to do it seven times. You know, he just needs to do it four. He probably only needs to do it three, and then hopefully LeBron has one of those LeBron games and he wins one for you as well. So I see this going seven. I took Golden State in a series price at minus 150 before the game yesterday, and I still feel pretty good about that. I think I think Golden State wins this one in seven. It just feels like one of those series that nobody's going to be able to close out the other until game seven. You know, like it, somebody will be up 3-2 in game six to close it out, and the other team will come out and win by 15 or 20, and we'll just go to a game seven thing. They've all been here, done that. I don't think that either team feels this urgency to close it out quickly. It's going to be one of those back and forth series. I don't know if all the games are going to be as good as last night, uh, but I think it's going to be a tight series. Do you do you think that the winner of the series comes out of the West? No, you no. Know, you think Denver? Yeah, give me Denver. Okay, give me Denver. You think Phoenix is done? I do think Phoenix is because who? I mean, who do they have up front to to stop Jokic? Bisback Biombo. Uh, that's, yeah. that's you know, obviously DeAndre Ayton has a step up, but yeah. he's been yeah. owned. Ayton's just not going to do it. No, he's know, not. Like, we talk about Anthony Davis and his inability to get. Like, there's some guys that just have motors and some guys that don't. Like, I, I think that's a skill we don't talk about enough in athletics. Like, you can just get in shape. It's like, well, that's not it. Just some guys can play harder for longer than other people can. Uh, DeAndre Ayton just feels like a guy that, that he just doesn't have a sixth gear. He just was built without a sixth gear. 
Well, we'll see. That game Thursday night, uh, it's an 8 o'clock tip. Uh, we talked about earlier about the first-round series with the Warriors. That, um, that, that game seven on Sunday where Steph scored 50 was the most watched first-round NBA playoff game in 24 years. Yeah. So people are into this. Who That's is the, the NBA favorite right now? It's probably Boston odds on favorite, Ooh, like not with that coach. Right. And then they just you know they lose the you know to to, with, got to a, the Sixers ten, without Embiid. They're ten point favorites again tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a wide open year. Well, it's funny, it's and weird. I, I thought Rod and Harge and Patrick had a great conversation on this yesterday. That you know, Ime Udoka is a big missing piece for them at this point. Coaching matters. Getting your team ready to play matters. Adjustments within games matter. And I mean, with, without Joel Embiid on the floor, if you're the coach in Boston, you can't let James Harden go for 45. You've got to, you've got to, and it's not just the, the coach; it was the players who were not playing with intensity. They didn't play with physicality. They didn't. Uh, I mean, somebody's got to knock James Harden on his rear at some point and play with some energy. Udoka, who you know, of course, he had his uh, proclivities, but he came in from that Spurs culture, right? He came from San Antonio. He played in San Antonio. Played coach with Pop. He understood what it takes to win in the playoffs, and I think we saw that because they got all the way to the finals last year and gave Golden State a hell of a series. How much of a missing piece is that right now for the Warriors, which leads you back to the Miami Heat, who have Eric Spolstra and Patrick Riley and the or Pat Riley and the influence of what they are. The culture's built. They're a scary team right now that Milwaukee is out in the East, and if Boston continues to flutter around, uh, they're still the best, most talented team. But and I don't um, I mean. Denver for sure. Denver, I mean, Denver's been the most consistent force in, in yeah, this playoffs. Having Jamal East Murray or West so been far. awesome. I well, mean, that team healthy, if they can stay healthy, which, yeah. I mean, they're two of their top three guys have consistent injury histories. But And that's the thing. We're sitting here having this conversation. It's probably going to be dictated by an injury over the next two weeks. Yeah. Somebody yeah, big's well. going to go down, and that's going to change the whole landscape well, of this deal. It usually does. And But, say, as we said, if Anthony Davis plays anywhere close to what he did last night, not six more times, three more times. Mm-hmm. If he does it three more times, half the time, if Anthony Davis shows up and plays like that, Lakers have an absolute chance because he dominated Kayvon Looney last night. Uh, he was impactful on both ends. He was great with 30 points, but he also blocked Blocked five shots. Uh, he was a rim protector. And, you know, the Lakers have some interesting ingredients I don't think people took into account going into the series because uh, Dennis Schroeder did a great job chasing Steph all over the court and, and harassing him. D'Angelo Russell played a good game. But, yeah, they've got to do that three more times. And But, it, but I'll say this about the Lakers. They're not the Kings. Kings were brand new to this thing. Right. Uh, they hadn't been in the playoffs in 16 years. The Lakers... They they are used to this playoff intensity, and it does feel like something the Memphis Grizzlies may, may have poked the bear a little bit, and uh, you know that that young Memphis team kind of popping off with no skins on the wall. You wonder if that woke up LeBron and, and Anthony Davis a little bit, and now does does LeBron trust this supporting cast a little bit more? Right, he's he's got Austin Reeves and he's got Schroeder and he's got Russell. And he doesn't have to be the lead dog, so it just makes it a just a fascinating series. And uh, the point of the TV ratings: this Lakers Warriors game Thursday night will get a gangbuster. I mean, oh, yeah. Thursday night, eight o'clock tip, so it's only nine on the East Coast. We'll get a good one where you'll be done by ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Uh, that is going to be a must-watch game, and then they'll head back to L.A. into the weekend. But uh, uh, NBA ratings through the roof right now. And you've got, I mean, gosh, you've got the two greatest players of this generation going head-to-head for maybe the final time. You know, Steph and LeBron met in the finals, what, four straight years, Cleveland and uh, and uh, the, the, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Well, now this, is, this may be the last one. Mike, this may be it between these two great players who have dominated the last two decades of pro basketball. And Anthony Davis might be the pivot. And the NBA, you know what the NBA wants? 
They want the Lakers and the Celtics to play in the finals. Let's <laughs> no, not be. No I'm not doubt. saying I'm not going down the Tim Donaghy road, but I, I, you know that's over Denver and Miami. Miami, yeah, that would that would be huge for the NBA. But people are tuning in for sure. Hey, let's get to a blitz. You want to do a blitz with us, Mike? Sure. You ready? Let's Absolutely. go. Mike Craven is with us. Uh, Ty Henderson is here making bets. We got a little salacious gossip. We've also got your blitz four four seven three seven seven six. First, Craig Way. Where you get that from? Did Tawana tell you that? Did Tawana tell you that? Because I ain't for no games, okay? Salacious gossip ahead of your blitz every morning. Bring it 447-3776. One blitzer ready to go. Load that thing up so uh, and say hi to Mike Craven. <laughs> By the way, you know, a lot of times when when Bucky is out, as he is this morning, getting ready for the uh, mullet open, the mini mullet tomorrow, and the mullet open on Friday, 22nd plane. Bucky did call the show this morning to check in. Monty Williams comes in from time to time, my buddy Monty. You know, the Screenwriters Guild have gone on strike, and Monty yes. is a member of the Screenwriters Guild. He hey, wanted, you say I used to be as well. Yeah, were you? Yeah. yeah. He is a member. He used to work for Steven Spielberg back in the day nice. on a hit television show. Yeah, Monty's got a very... Great background, which is what we love to bring him in. He's a great conversation. Well, he wanted everybody to know here he's, he's, he's traveling, working in Florida, so he couldn't be here. He's not on strike. He's not on strike. But he won't cross the picket line, though. He will yeah. not, because yeah. the screenwriters... By the way, that's going to shut down a lot of your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. If you watch the late-night TV show, the, uh, the the talk shows, the whatever, you know, Fallon and Colbert and all them, they're, they're in trouble because the writers aren't working. And a lot of your hit TV shows are going to be paused now, and who knows how long this takes as they want, you know, better benefits. And um, that's why, why, that's why, why, why Monty's busy. No, Monty is not busy with that. No, he is doing a project right now, but it's not under the the Screenwriters Guild, or he wouldn't be doing that, uh, yep. knowing Monty. So Monty wanted folks to know that. But yeah, man, you're uh, that happened right. The first, the last one happened right when I came out of college. Is why I became a sports writer. I had a series option. I wanted to be a creative writer, do, do scripts and stuff of that nature. That that uh, strike happened, so I got a job at the Taylor Daily Press. There you go. Well, that's and the last strike lasted like a hundred days mm-hmm. or something, and uh, it could impact. And it had, I think it had a two point six billion dollar economic impact because you know shows stop sh- stop working, and yep. that affects everybody. I mean, everybody that works on that show, crews and. Uh, stagehands and the ho- everybody. Yeah. Now I did see where it's kind of cool. Speaking of those net late night shows, that that uh, Seth Meyers has already said that you know, he does pretty well. He's going to help his staff with you know help to pay them so they can pay their rent in New York City while they're on strike. Now they're they're getting mad at Jimmy Fallon because apparently he's he's not going there. I don't know his his staff not so happy. They're on Twitter, you know, telling people that uh, Jimmy not backing us up here. Here's some other salacious gossip. Uh, so Ty, you uh, you go to re- you go to fast food a lot. Yes. You order fast food a lot. Like to be delivered. Like Uber Eats, yeah. Sometimes if I'm feeling real lazy. Well, guy often. in Chicago, guy in Chicago said, you know what, something's up here. He works until he orders his lunch quite often, and uh, he's a is an engineer, and he started to suspect the portions that he was getting delivered were smaller than when he went into the stores. So he. P- Got out this little TikTok thing and uh, started doing. He got out of scale and ordered the same 20 salads from a place he liked. Ten in person, ten online. All ten were 16 percent smaller. So Ty, you need to be careful here. Make sure you're getting what you're paying for. Oh, you, you're never expecting quality if you're ordering fast food, <laughs> That's or, true. Uber Eats, or anything like that. I, I've never ordered fast food, so I don't know how that works. It's out of necessity. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're stuck here working and those kind of things. So yeah, he was he was not real happy. Uh, how about this one? Dateline, Arkansas. Uh, a 36-year-old woman named Candace Scott 
uh, has been arrested and charged with uh, selling body parts to a guy on Facebook over the course of nine months. Body parts for sale. Yeah. Other people's body well, parts? Her <laughs> own? What, what do we... Turns out that this lady, Candace, is a mortuary worker from Little Rock. Uh, she works for a company that provides the University of Arkansas with cadavers for their medical research. She met a guy online and started uh, selling them. So over the course of nine months, she allegedly mailed him 20 boxes of body parts. Ears, arms, lungs, livers, kidneys, hands, and skull, and a full human head. He paid her over almost $11,000. They've both been arrested. It doesn't say what uh, he was using the body parts for. Yeah, is it weirder to sell them or to buy them? Buy them. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I can almost see making a buck on it. Yeah, if you're yeah already, she's just filling a void. If you're already digging in the cadavers. Yeah. Gotta getting them ready for the, for the hogs over there. I get that. But let, let's not, let's just say this. This guy, Jeremy Pauly, who's also been arrested. Looks, he's all tattooed up. Got a tattoo on his right eyeball. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, let's not bring him over to mom. Let's not bring him <laughs> home to mom, Candace. Let's, let's go ahead and draw a line. Take his money. Make a little buck. But don't be in love with this dude. Okay? Just an idea. Let's go to the Blitz. The Bucky and E Blitz. The Morning Blitz brought to you by Apple Leasing. Where you only have to pay for the new half of the car or truck. The half under factory warranty. In any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and see how easy it is. All right, first blitzer, a Bucky-less blitz uh, is ready to roll. You're up. Hey, so at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, does Bijan end up being a more impactful number seven in Atlanta than Vic was? Hmm, more impactful number seven than Michael Vic. We'll debate that on the other side. Let's get into that. That's a pretty good question. Next blitzer, you're up. Hey, E. Yes, sir. Your co-host today, Mike... Uh, Craven. Um, yeah, are you craving these nuts? <laughs> that's a, first time, first time. That's, I've our, heard, that's our D's nuts guys. Yep. you've never heard that one. New before. one. Uh, but yeah, that's our D's nuts caller. Mm-hmm. Always has to get the D's nuts in here. Next butcher, you're up. Elevate hey, the show, you know. <laughs> Go ahead, Craven, sir. Taco just called. He said WTF is a better show than Republic football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's right. Taco, as usual, absolutely right. What's WTF? Uh, women talking football. Ashley Pickle, Mallory Hartley. Oh, they do a, a podcast. One. It's great. It's absolutely great show. Awesome. Uh, Much better than Republican football. Yeah. Well, not better than the Eyes on Texas sure. multicast. Sure. Come we're on just, now. We're just talking about the Republican football <laughs> podcast, I think, and, and he is correct. Uh, next, Butcher, you're up. Craven, nice work today. You're showing good rapport with E. You're the next co-host in waiting. However. I get to know, negotiate the residual streaming revenue for you. That's what the uh, Screen Actors Guild writers are mostly upset about, the residual yeah. writing credits uh, now that it's all over streaming. Next, Blitzer, you're up. Yeah, there's so much stuff in front of the Blitz that I could go to. What do you guys want to lend me a hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody already texted and said, man, that dude was paid an arm and a leg mm-hmm. for all that stuff. Next, Blitzer, you're up. Oh, Mike Craven, I remember when you were reporting for my old Taylor Ducks. Crazy to see how far you come, brother. There you go. Taylor yeah. Ducks. I, I miss that place. That was where it all started. Let's go! Taylor Daily News. That's when you were covering Taylor the Daily Round Press. Rock Express. Or Taylor, yep. Taylor. yep, it was uh, Granger, Thrall, Hutto, and uh, Taylor where, where it was the market. It was, uh, it was a good time. It's grown yeah. a little since you started there. Yeah, good barbecue place right outside the office. And, uh, yeah, I love Taylor, Taylor Texas. Is I've that Louis Miller? Yep. Louis, my man, yep. my man uh, 
You, 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 by the way, Louis Miller uh, Barbecue in uh, with my guy Wayne Miller. He will be serving the dinner at the Mullet Open on Friday. He nice. This and it's, it's, nice. It's, it's the greatest yeah. golf court golf tournament meal, post-golf tournament meal you'll ever... You can't find a better one at any golf tournament anywhere. And the best meal in Taylor, in my opinion, is Ed's Hamburgers. It's cash only. <laughs> it's right next to the Taylor Day Press. Absolutely tremendous little place. Yeah, and uh, Louis Miller right there in downtown on the Strip. Uh, but yeah, that's good stuff right there. Appreciate the blitzers. Some good ones and some not-so-good ones. That's the way the blitz rolls. We'll pick up that Michael Vick, Bijan Robinson question. Also, the Lakers and Warriors, who you got. Uh, other good football with Mike Craven, who's uh, getting it done. Uh, all right, we'll be back. b with you. 